0: This is Bloomberg Business Week. From Bloomberg Radio, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Master. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you an in-depth interview you will not hear anywhere else. And this week, we caught up with Susan Line, president and founder of BBG Ventures. Her career, man, it has spanned publishing, multimedia, and of course now she's a venture capitalist. She's also, though, the former president of ABC Entertainment. Jason, she saw Time at AOL.com, directed the board of Guilt Group. love catching up with her
1: yeah it was a wide-ranging conversation to be sure the things she's seen and the things she's expecting to see yeah are really really interesting
0: check it out your career has spanned so many different industries and multimedia i think about publishing venture capitalism i want to ask you there's so much going on in these worlds what is it that you find kind of interesting in terms of disruptive trends right now oh wow um i know it's broad but i yeah. just am
1: curious there are so many things and they um they fall into a couple of categories. So I still think that there are a lot of industries that are, um, that have not been disrupted. Actually healthcare is probably the biggest opportunity that exists right now. Right. Uh, there are still so many consumer unfriendly parts of, of the healthcare journey. Um, and everybody, every single group at the table believes that we need to have new solutions, whether it's insurers or it's mm-hmm. it's healthcare providers or it's consumers. Um, so that's always a good moment to be be investing. And we're actually seeing a lot of I think more interesting models for delivery of either mental health care or or physical health care um, that will need to scale to prove themselves out, but could be very viable over time.
0: Well, and I looked at your investment portfolio. I mean, Susan, you guys are in a lot of different areas. Are. You're in retail, um, you're in you know, property, you're in so many different areas. In terms of healthcare, what are some of the new models that you're seeing, or what are some of the interesting opportunities that you find that you wanna commit money to? Yeah, and that you have well,
1: to... we've made a couple of, of investments. We're in a company called Spring Health that takes over healthcare Uh, coverage for employees. So they sell to companies. They say, let us do this for you. Mm -hmm. We will be able to get your employees to the right kind of care faster than you could possibly do it. And they do that using algorithms. They have a great database. um, And they can both save companies money. And at the same time, they can get employees the care they need so much faster
0: that uh, it's a, a real bonus for the company culture. How difficult do you think mm-hmm. though it is to kind of untangle the existing healthcare infrastructure? I think this is such a tough one and I think it's why you're not seeing it yeah. one of the you know, earlier cases of disruption. So how, how much you know, the traditional healthcare companies that we have today will be ultimately five years, 10 years, they're not gonna be the major players because there's companies like the ones that you're investing in? Um, I do they adapt? I think it completely depends on
1: which part of this you're talking about. So I think the insurers are probably not going to change yeah. in, the, in the short term, but I think they are looking for more cost-effective and more successful solutions to a lot of different issues for consumers. Uh, so they're actually aligned with, with all of us. Right. If you can find the right uh, product for them, if you can find something that you can show them you're spending X now, we can do this for Y, and you're going to save money. So uh, I think there are, there are definitely alliances to be made. Um, it, yeah. One of the biggest issues has been how slow it is to get change at, uh, at large healthcare institutions whether they're hospitals or they're, um, but there are far fewer providers. And so, and by that, I mean insurance providers, uh, that it's probably easier if you can find an alliance with them. Now, there are also a lot of companies that are starting clinics and new models for delivery of either women's healthcare or um, or prenatal and postpartum care, they're taking some piece of this and they're saying, we can do this 100% better. Um, and so I, I think it'll take time for those to scale up, but. As startups, a lot of them are doing very
0: well. Right, and when it starts to show um, an impact on bottom lines or something, it's very easy for them to ramp up. I have to ask you about the media world, because I feel like there's so much going on. You're the former president of ABC Entertainment, Streaming Wars, 2020, we're already laying it out in Business Week magazine. This is going to be one of the big themes to watch. who, who will you be watching? There's Disney Plus, there's Apple yeah. Plus, Comcast's got Peacock, HBO's got a new entry. Yeah. Who do you think is interesting?
1: Well, I think Disney's really interesting. Now, I'm, I'm probably biased because I worked a with bit. the company for a decade. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but I do think they have unique assets, and yeah. that's one of the things Iger has done that I think has been incredibly smart. Um, if you look at the movie business that Disney has because of the companies they've acquired because of Pixar, because of Marvel, um, because of the Star Wars franchise. Right. Uh, they have, you know, I'm going to say more than half of the uh, billion dollar films that have come out in the last five years. Right. Uh, and with now, big audiences, you want to see it exactly, again and again perhaps. Exactly. Uh, and who who know the franchise, right? So right. so they don't have to hear a long description of it before they know. Hey, I want to I want to watch this. Um, and now with Fox, mm-hmm. they have an even bigger right. library. So I, I think they're going to be hard to beat among the new entrants. Right.
0: And um, they're coming out pretty yeah. inexpensively. I think it's they like six ninety nine. So it's easy yeah. to kind of tack that on. Absolutely. Um, is cable dead? Or getting slowly towards that. I mean, there's still like 80 yeah, million U.S. cable subscribers. But what what happens? You know, I think it's going to take
1: time. But I look at my children, yeah, and they are not cable customers. Yeah. So uh, this is largely a generational shift. Uh, I think that uh, that people who have kind of grown up with digital assets and who understand how to use Apple TV and how to use Roku and can put together their own, you know, what would have been a cable assortment,
0: right? right. They can do that themselves for yeah. a lot less money. Do their own bundling. Exactly. Although some say that you could ultimately see a bundling of streaming services down the road. Do you think that's I think like- that's very possible. Yeah. Why not, right? So, what about building a brand in this environment? You did it with Lifetime. And you did it so well. It was a very clear message, ramped up was is so successful. Yeah. Can we do that again today? I, a brand like that
1: uh, on television? Yeah. In the in the the broadcast or, yeah. or or cable world? I think you can. I think that tougher than uh, yes, it's definitely tougher, but it all comes down to programming to be honest. Yeah. Um, if you look at how every single one of the cable networks became successful, it's because they had a single show that defined what they were about. Right? Uh, for for HBO, it was The Sopranos. Right. For um, uh, for FX, it was Mad Men. Right, right. Um, for uh, for
0: Showtime, yeah. you can go through all right, of them. Right, but you're right. So you, you knew what you were getting.
1: You did. And then once they realized they had an audience for that, right, they could begin to develop shows that had a similar feel or were for a similar group of people, and the. The great thing about cable always was that it was not about the number of people watching, it was about the passion of the people who were watching. So if they really, really, really loved a show, right. that meant more than having an extra million people viewing it. Because what? it made it that much harder for a cable carrier to kick them off. Right because they'd have a revolution. Right, right.
0: And I also do think like in today's social media world where there's so much data collection, you had a very clear identity. So if you were trying to market it to advertisers, right? You knew exactly what you're getting. So I think you're gonna see that with the new
1: streaming services too, where initially (coughs) a single show or a single series is going to define what this one is all about. And that's going to be what people kind of choose their sides with.
0: Um, I'm not sure if you got to watch any of Mark Zuckerberg today up I on didn't. Capitol Hill. You yeah. talked a lot about Libra. It was the House yep. Financial Services Committee. What do you think will happen to social media going forward and these big players? Or, or um, how do you see it? Should they be broken up in your view? I, I, I feel like I am
1: not really the person to answer that question, but I do believe that there is too much power in too few uh, platforms at this moment. And uh, that's always dangerous. So whether they get regulated, whether they get broken up, that's for other people to decide, but I don't think you can leave things the way they are where
0: where a single platform like Mm -hmm. Facebook um, has the power that it does. BBG Ventures, um, are you finding all the opportunities you want? I mean, we talk about—we talked before we got started that there's yep. so much capital out there, whether it's private equity, family yep. wealth offices, venture capital. Are you finding enough opportunities? Because I feel like there's a lot of oh money my chasing Oh
1: We absolutely are. Okay. We've seen 5,000 companies with a female founder since we launched BBG Ventures five years and ago. And this is what you do. The, if you're making an investment, there
0: has to be at least one female founder. That's
1: exactly Love right. Love that. Yeah. And, and we do that not to be a do-good organization, but because we think there's a real competitive advantage right. to having a founder who intuitively understands that end user. Women are the dominant consumer. We're responsible for 80, 85% of all consumer purchases. So in all likelihood, if you are building a consumer product or you're building a consumer service, women are going to be the early adopters. They're going to. The, be the people who determine whether or not you scale. And uh, so we saw both an opportunity because the rest of the venture capital world was focused on something else. Uh, We saw a big opportunity to invest in the best of these
0: female founders. I love to hear you say that. I know you've also been on corporate boards, are on corporate boards. I think it's getting a little bit better in terms of Uh female representation. Um, What do we need to do to get it much, much better? where it's really parity, and there is, right. and, I, and when I think about it, it should be diverse on all levels. Absolutely. So no question. what does it take to get there? So I, we've been having this conversation for a long time. Yeah,
1: absolutely. In, in my world now, the venture capital world, I think that it takes probably five to 10 female-founded companies going public, um, and maybe five to 10 exiting mm-hmm. as unicorns right. for there to be a major shift. We're already seeing a number of storied old um, boys club VCs bring on their first female partner and it's all because of FOMO, right? It's because they fear they're gonna miss the next wave of big successful companies. Uh, so you have to have somebody on your team, right. on your uh, your investing team uh, who who has those networks, who knows those women and who can make sure that your firm gets a chance
0: to at least compete to invest. That's what's going to change it. One last question. In terms of investing, you make investments. And I'm curious, is the end game still taking companies Public, because we've seen what, yeah. it, what an interesting year with WeWork Absolutely. and disappointments over yeah. IPOs. What is the ultimate end game, or does that not have to be it anymore? Will it not be that? So anymore? I think that
1: um, more companies end up getting sold than go public, okay. a- and that's always been the case. Um, I do think there are uh, a number of. Female-founded companies out there that will go public during the next, let's call it, two years, three years, um, that are are on that trajectory, that are preparing themselves for it, and that are trying not to make the same mistakes. So the real issue for the companies that have gone public and have either failed Mm -hmm. or we're not uh, made it there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, is that they were focused on, on growth over everything else. And they went public still losing billions of dollars, in some cases, billions of dollars a quarter. Right. And the public markets just said, we don't like this. So there, there was clearly a big disconnect between what the private markets value right now mm-hmm. and what public markets are looking for. Um, I think the, the female founders I've seen out there, um, they're watching this very closely, and so are every VC. I bet. Uh, 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 and I do think that there are lessons that have been learned that uh, you have to take seriously more than just you know X percent year over year growth. Uh, you really have to be able to show that there's a business model here right. that can be successful, even if you're not profitable right now. That there's a path to profitability that is very, very clear.
0: Which I feel like is, you know, MBA Obvious. 101. <laughs> yes. um, Susan Line, thank you so much. Yeah, it was fun. It.
1: And you've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra.
0: Be sure to tune into Bloomberg Business Week live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser.
1: And I'm Jason Kelly. Thanks for listening. This is Bloomberg.